Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And since this is the first new episode we're recording in 2024, Amy and I just want to take a moment to thank you for your your patience and your prayers since the, yeah. the new year got off to a bit of a rough start for us. Um, first, we hope that you enjoyed our two Holy Habits for the New Year interviews with Travis McNeely and and Susan White. Um, as we did last year, we had hoped to provide you with three Holy Habits interviews, but due to some scheduling conflicts, the, the Lord saw fit that we should only do two this year. So maybe we'll get to do that third one at a later date. Yeah, and we also had to take a little unexpected time off in January to honor and care for our aging parents. Uh, I was caring for my mother, who since the end of October has been in and out of the hospital several times and living at a transitional care facility. Uh, so that was a couple of months worth. And we finally got her resettled into my parents' home a few weeks ago, and uh, both of them really should be living in assisted living, but like many folks, uh, they don't wish to go. So it's been a long journey for our family these past few months, and we thought we'd lose her several times because of the nature of the emergencies, but praise the Lord, that didn't happen. Uh, but ladies, please do pray for both of them and for their salvation. And uh, Michelle, oh boy, you have also been dealing with a family emergency. Your father passed away in early January, and I am so sorry, my friend. Oh, thank you, Amy. You're so sweet. And I, your support has just been so, so mm -hmm. kind and so helpful. And, and so some of our listeners have, have uh, been, you know, very supportive as well. Um, I kind of told my blog followers what was going on. And I'm not sure how many of our podcast listeners know. But um, yeah, my dad was was hospitalized on Christmas Day. And, um, you know, it, he, he he was an army ranger and he was career yeah. military and he he just left it all out on the field he he gave everything that he had for this country and it sort of wreaked havoc on his body and uh, although he he was 80 years old when he passed so he you know we all know that we're we're going one day and so that as we get older we know that that day is drawing near um yeah but uh, he he was hospitalized. He had a very difficult hospitalization just because of uh, the doctors at one point were not certain what was what was going on with him and uh, just a, a variety of things. And so uh, we had to go up there and, and um, tend to, you know, him and my mom and spend some time with them at the end there. And and so yeah. we had to take a little bit of time off. But uh, just real proud of my dad and the things that he accomplished in his life. And just the one thing that I'm so, so thankful for that, well, I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of things that my parents did for me. Um, they were, you know, they were just great. But uh, one of the things that I'm most thankful for that my dad did for my family was to make sure that I was raised in church. And that mm. that's a legacy you just can't put a price on. So, um, so I'm really thankful for that. And um, we just had the funeral very recently. So I just came back from Arkansas not too long ago. And um, so trying to get back into the swing of things and really looking forward to recording tonight. But thank you to our listeners who have been so kind. I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, and we both want to thank you so much for your prayers and kind words, and also to take this opportunity to remind you as women in ministry ourselves that it is God's plan that our roles as wives and mothers and daughters comes first before any sort of outside ministry we might do, even ministry in our own churches. It is so important to order our priorities biblically, and we hope as Titus II older women that we set a good example for you by taking that little extra time off from ministry to prioritize our families, really put them first. Right. But now that everything has settled down a little, welcome to another episode of The Pew. Not The View, but The Pew. All of the joy, none of the Behar, as we like to say. It's our view from the church pew on some important issues in evangelicalism. That's right. And although we usually tackle several issues in one episode of The Pew, uh, this is going to be part one of two parts focusing on just one single story. Last October, LifeWay Research released a study called The State of Ministry to Women. And so we thought we'd like to uh, discuss their findings. Uh, You're going to find a link to that study in our show notes if you'd like to follow along. But the introduction to that study says, LifeWay Research conducted a study involving over 1,000 evangelical and Black Protestant female churchgoers and 842 women's ministry leaders in the United States aiming to assess the state of women's ministry with a focus on acknowledging progress and identifying areas for further development. That's what the intro says. Well, tonight, we're going to take a look at the results of that survey that was administered to the women's ministry leaders. And then in part two of this episode of The Pew, we're going to discuss the results of the survey of the women churchgoers. That's right. So, Amy, well, when I was in college, my degree program required me to take several classes in statistics and testing. In other words, how to properly conduct a study similar to this one. And, you know, I looked at the methodologies and the measurements that they used. And, and for the most part, it's very, very good, very solid um, the way they conducted the study. But right away, there were a couple of things that jumped out at me in the introductory statement that you just read about the women who were surveyed for this study. Now, in part two, we'll talk more about the churchgoers who were surveyed. But for tonight, Amy mentioned that LifeWay Research surveyed 842 women's ministry leaders. And here's what you'll want to know about that. In the methodology section of the study, it says, Sample lists of women who may have women's ministry roles were developed from LifeWay's ministry and sales lists. This study is limited to respondents Mm -hmm. or their churches who have interacted with LifeWay in some way in the last three years. Groups that interact with LifeWay less will be underrepresented in this study. Yeah, in other words, the women's ministry leaders they chose for the survey have some sort of connection with LifeWay. They buy their women's Bible study materials from LifeWay, and we're going to put those bunny ears, those quotation marks around Bible study. And uh, they also take their women's group to LifeWay conferences and things like that. 
And that's really problematic, Michelle. Um, I also in college did the the research, uh, you know, deep dive into what it takes to do a proper research study. Um, and the reason it's uh, got some red flags is because Lifeway Women, the women's division of Lifeway, where these women ministry leaders are most likely to be ordering their books and simulcasts and conference tickets, platforms false teachers like Beth Moore, Priscilla Shire, Jackie Hill Perry, Lisa Tierkirst, Lisa Harper, and other women like them who preach to men, teach fluff and false doctrine, and yoke together with other false teachers. Right. And so this is where they're drawing their sample of women's ministry leaders from. And you know what that means. If you're a discerning women's ministry leader in a doctrinally sound church that doesn't use materials from Lifeway, you're not represented in this survey. Only women who align enough with LifeWay's brand of so-called women's ministry that LifeWay has their names and contact information were selected for this survey. So we're not saying that all the women and women's ministry leaders they surveyed are heretics or anything like that. What we're saying is we're just saying that they didn't survey a bunch of women like Amy and me or and probably you who are listening. So that's all we're trying to say. Yeah. Might be a little skewed. All right. right. So let's let's definitely bear that in mind as we dive in and look at some of these results from the survey of women's ministry leaders. The first question asked of women's ministry leaders was this, does your church currently have an organized women's ministry of some kind? Now, 75% said yes, and 25% said, nothing formal, but there are activities specifically for women. Well, Michelle, you know, you're in women's ministry leadership at your church. What would your answer have been? Well, I think um, probably I would have to know exactly what they meant by organized women's ministry. But what in my mind, what that means is that there's like a set apart sort of almost self-contained women's ministry with uh, women's ministry leader, you know, particular people who are the, the women's ministry leader, you know, maybe they have their own page on the church website. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of, sort of set apart like that um, as, yeah. as a ministry. So um, I think I, I would fall in with the 25% who said nothing formal, but there are activities specifically for women. I teach a, a monthly yeah. uh, women's ministry sort of a topical Bible study class. There's another group of women who puts together fellowships for for women. Um, you know, every once in a while, like a ladies' night out and things like that. And then there are other things that pop up from time to time. So nothing formal, but there are activities specifically for women. Um, so Amy, you you know, you're in women's ministry at your church. What would your answer have been? Uh, we're a little similar to you, Michelle. We're a very small church, and so uh, I also teach a, a, or lead, I guess, facilitate a, a women's Bible study uh, along with uh, my pastor's wife. And so uh, we take turns. She has the daytime study, and I have the evening study. Uh, we're in the book of Proverbs. And uh, so we try to involve as many women as possible in our church. And like I said, we're very small, so uh, so we, we have a good group of ladies, but it's not like hundreds or anything like that. Uh, 
Uh, we don't have a formal web page dedicated to women's studies, uh, but we do try to hold events uh, for women, uh, equipping type of things, um, serving in the community, that kind of thing. And uh, those I'd say probably quarterly. And then we'll have, you know, breakfast events where we'll have devotionals and speakers and uh, anything to get women in the Word of God is is a priority for us. Right. So the two of us, what we're saying is we're already in the minority of the 25% who said we don't have a formal women's ministry at our church. Okay. All right. Well, here's an interesting question. What is the average percentage of women participating in women's ministry in each age group? Remember, they're asking women's ministry leaders this question. So the age groups that they have broken down, they have 18 to 25. That's 7% participating in, you know, women's ministry. 18 to 25 is 7%. 26 to 40 is 20%. 41 to 55 is 26%. 56 to 70 is the largest group at 35%. And 71 and older is 12%. So I thought that was really interesting. Does it seem to be the same way at your church, Amy? A little bit. Um, you know, we're, um, I'm, I'm really excited because we're starting to see, uh, younger women in that 18 to 25 group, uh, come and, and take part in these Bible studies. And, and that's actually been a really cool thing for us because, uh, we, we really want that. We try to come around and be those tightest two women, you know, to them. Um, but I think one of the reasons that you see more older women skewed that way is because either, uh, older women are retired, uh, maybe they're, their kids are out of the house now. They're all grown up and moved on. And so um, women have more time to participate. Although in my group, uh, I happen to actually have younger women who come uh, maybe in that middle range. And uh, that's because mm-hmm. maybe they work during the day or just can't come during the day or they right. volunteer or whatever. So they come to the evening study because daytime just isn't possible for them. So how about you right. at your church? Well, I was I was just going to follow up on what you were saying there. I think maybe one of the reasons that we see uh, in this breakdown that they've given us that such a large percentage of the women are uh, between 41 and 70, it looks like, is that, like you said, they're retired or whatever. And a lot of churches have their women's Bible study on a weekday in the morning, yeah. you know, so the younger yeah. women who are working or they have small children and they're homeschooling or whatever, they can't come to stuff like that. But right. um, in in my church, the study that I teach is in the evening so that we can hopefully uh, accommodate all of the, the, those kinds of things <laughs> like work and homeschooling and all that. And yeah. we really we have a hard time getting older women to come. I would say that it's it's largely uh, younger women who, you know, probably okay. in their 30s and 40s who who come to that. And our older ladies, um, we're trying to figure out a, a way that we can get them more involved. Uh, a lot of them like don't like to go out at night and things like that. And that's, yeah. I mean, I, I've experienced that in multiple churches. So it's, it's not just yeah. a, you know, in my church. Um, so we're trying to, to figure out some ways to, to just get more, uh, older ladies involved because they have so much good godly wisdom and, uh, and we really want to have them impart that to these younger women. But a lot of the fellowships that, that are held, there's a really good age split between, you know, in all the groups. So, um, you know, maybe some activities are just going to be more heavily weighted to younger women and some are going to be more you know, even, and some of them are going to be more heavily weighted to older women. So it's hard to, hard to actually say. 
Yeah, I, I will say that most of the older women in our church do opt for the um, the daytime. We we hold ours on Tuesdays, right. and so uh, the daytime afternoon, uh, you'll see most of the older ladies uh, head to that one. So I, yep, I, right. <laughs> it happens at every church, I think. Well, and that's that's what we're running into is the difficulty yeah. of having something at a time when the younger women can come, which is in the evening. Yeah. But the older ladies don't want to go out at night. But if we have yes. it in the daytime, the younger women can't come. So we're just trying to figure that all out. I don't have all the answers. We're trying to see what's going on there. Oh, all right. Well, the next question was basically, uh, what is your highest priority for your women's ministry? Now, the respondents were given these five choices. One, disciple women and encourage their walk with Christ. Two, develop community and fellowship among women. Three, mobilize women to serve and minister to others within the church. Four, reach women who do not currently attend church. Five, mobilize women to serve and minister to others outside the church. All right, so Michelle, here's how it all broke down. The majority, 57%, said that the highest priority of their women's ministry is to disciple women and encourage their walk with Christ. That was the first option there. Uh, 27% said develop community and fellowship among the women. Uh, mobilize women to serve and minister to others within the church and reach women who do not currently attend church. Both got 6%, so they came in at 3 and 4. And then finally, at the bottom there, 4% said the highest priority for their women's ministry was to mobilize women to serve and minister to others outside the church. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm I'm really glad that um, at least 57% at least knew that the highest priority of their women's ministry should be <laughs> to disciple women and encourage their their walk with Christ. That really should be, you yes. know, I think everybody's number one answer. Um, although there there could be some other yep. answers in there too. I've I've seen women's ministries that their um their main function of their women's ministry is to serve the church like they're the ones that are in charge of making the meals mm -hmm. for when women have babies they um they do all those kind of service things and i think that's a really neat uh way to organize your women's ministry and then they're you know as far as bible study and things like that go they're in their sunday school classes they're in church you know and they that's where they get their bible study but their women's ministry is mainly focused on yeah. service projects so I was a little surprised that that number was not a little bit larger. And then also the the last one, 4% only said that their highest priority was to mobilize women to serve and minister to others outside the church. And the reason I was surprised that that was so low is because, yeah. you know, we keep hearing from all these woke churches that, you know, the, our our mission is to feed the poor and to clothe the naked and, to, you know, uh, to feed the hungry and all that. And so I, I was kind of surprised to see that there weren't more uh, women's ministries that were centered around that. So that was a that was an interesting surprise for me. What did what did you think? I agree. I, I thought that would be a little bit higher. Um, I, and I'm glad to see that, too, that the, the majority said that their main focus is to disciple women and encourage their walk with Christ. You're absolutely right, Michelle. That needs to be our number one priority, uh, especially there's so many women who are, uh, you, you've heard the term biblically illiterate. Uh, and it doesn't yes. mean a, a slam. It just means either they're maybe new to Christianity or, you know, they just they were raised maybe in a background where uh, there wasn't an emphasis on, on 
on reading scripture. Maybe they came from one of those uh, religions that didn't do that, uh, and others just became complacent. And so it, it's just amazing. And I, I think um, I, I'm very glad that uh, there's an effort out there, at least in in our church, and I know yours probably is too, uh, to just make knowing God and knowing Him through His Word a priority. Mm-hmm. And right. so I, I think the other things kind of can be an outreach, you know, kind of uh, stem from that. So yeah. uh, when you're together studying and, and learning about God and talking about Him and and talking about Scripture, uh, you tend to um, develop that fellowship among the women in your right. church. You tend to want to serve and minister. You want to um, reach the ladies in your church who maybe are homebound or, uh, you know, they're, they, they're in need of a meal. I mean, all those things right. stem from um, understanding who Christ is. And so, uh, yeah, I really like to see that. Yeah. And I just want to say also, you know, we have often decried women's ministries that all they do is fellowship. They just have parties and they do crafts and they do outings and they go to Branson and they do this and that and the other. And that's all they ever do. But you don't want to overcorrect and go make the other mistake of never doing anything fellowshipy and everything yeah. <laughs> is always just straight Bible study because community and fellowship is extremely important, especially for yeah. women. It's not just, I mean, it's important in the church in general, but community and fellowship is a lot of the way that women disciple one another. Um, a lot of times yes. men, I mean, men need community and fellowship too. Don't get me wrong, but women are much more relational in, in everything that they do than men tend to be. And so, you know, if you don't have any sort of fellowship in your women's ministry, that's going to actually hinder the discipleship aspect. So community and fellowship, that's, that's important as well. So I think that's really really good that those are the top two things, discipleship and fellowship. Now, you do have to wonder, as we were mentioning at the beginning, with with women who are likely aligned with LifeWay's idea of women's ministry and LifeWay's Bible studies by Beth Moore and Priscilla Schreier and all those people, you got to kind of wonder, what does discipling and encouraging their walk with Christ mean to women who are sitting under teachers like that. So that's just something to think about. Exactly. All right. Well, the next questions had to do with how these women's ministry leaders achieve those top two goals of discipleship and fellowship. And here was the question that said, which, if any, of the following events has your women's ministry conducted in the last year to develop community and fellowship among new and existing women in your church? And they were given a variety of answers to choose from, and they were told to select all that apply. Now, remember, this this particular question is not about discipleship and Bible study. This particular question is about how do you uh, develop community and fellowship among the women. So let's see what they said. We're just going to look at the top two answers right now. And the top two answers were food events. Seventy. This is like uh, potlucks and lunches and ladies night out dinners and brunches and things like that. 75% of the respondents said that they've held food events. So we like to eat, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> like to break bread too. together. <laughs> and then the second uh the second answer the second most popular answer which kind of surprised me a little bit was holiday events, like Christmas parties and I don't know, going to see the fireworks together on the 4th of July or something like that. Some sort of holiday event. 
uh, those were the top two things. And I'm sure the holiday events involve food as well. So, <laughs> so okay. those were the top two answers about, you know, how you, how do you develop community and fellowship? Those were the top top two most popular answers. Some of the other responses were craft or hobby events, which was 44%. Game nights, you know, board games, bunko, bingo, all that kind of stuff, 30%. And then fitness activities like Zumba or walking or exercise, spinning, that kind of thing, 9%. I I kind of expected that one to be a little bit higher, but what, what did you think of all those answers, Amy? Well, it, you know, food. I mean, <laughs> we, we we do yeah. that too. We we have our we have our um we don't have, you know, going out to eat t- types of thing in our ministry, but but we will gather and and do like a, a potluck breakfast or something like that where we uh, we organize it around a speaker or something like that or a luncheon or something. Um one of the things that I I thought was interesting was uh the fitness activities. Um you know, there there are some yeah. mega churches around here that uh are life churches I, I know they are um, and and they'll do things like the Zumba classes and <clears throat> unfortunately holy yoga which is not holy and it's yeah, not no, Christian no. at all exactly <laughs> but but they do those sorts of things they have entire fitness centers within uh, their mega complex and it's so um, and women will naturally um, be drawn to that I guess um, game nights we don't really you know maybe maybe once a year or something like that uh, one thing that we do is um, we do have a, a, a holiday event around Christmas time where uh, the women get together and they combine that with craft or hobby events, but not for ourselves. Uh, what we do is service uh, for uh, people in need. And so we'll do uh, food oh. basket totes. So everybody will bring something, paper products and so forth for um, some families in our area that we know uh, are on hard times at, at the holiday season and, and year round. And then the other thing that we do is we make um, baby blankets, you know, just the the little, uh, what do you mm-hmm. call it, the polar fleece where you do the ties around the mm-hmm. blankets and those kind of things, because many of us aren't crafty, but but we can do that. And so we'll <laughs> do that for the local uh, pregnancy centers and uh, and moms that they serve. And so um, so that's a ministry in itself. And then we'll do a few other things as well. Uh, Christmas cards stamping for um, our, the missionary families that we support in different areas of the world. So uh, things like that. But yeah, I, I think that's, a, um, you know, People gathering around food is kind of a, a given, so that doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. No. Well, I think also the um, the food events are much easier to plan. You know, it's it's easy to say, okay, everybody, we're going to gather at such and such a restaurant at six thirty on Friday night, and everybody come and you know we'll put a table, yeah. a couple of tables together or whatever. So those are really easy to plan. They're popular. People like them. Everybody likes to eat. Yeah. Everybody likes to go out. You know, so that's I think that's one of the reasons that so many people. Um, responded that they do that because they're, you know, it's the perfect event. I mean, even in the Bible, think about the Old Testament. What were all of their celebrations about? They were feasts a lot of times. And so, you know, it's from from the beginning of time, we've been feasting together. (laughs) So that's probably has something to do with it, too. (laughs) Um, I actually, I was thinking that more of the women's ministries or churches, maybe this, maybe they said their women's ministry doesn't specifically do this, but maybe their church does, you know, some, somebody else is responsible for the fitness activities. Um, I, you know, personally, now I, I, anybody from my church who's listening to this, I am not committing to anything. Just, just let's get that straight. But (laughs) 
you know, I would think about it. I would think about attending if we had some kind of, um, you know, we don't have any place for a workout center or anything like that. But if there was some kind of class or walking or something like that, you know, I, the accountability would help me a lot. I mean, I do, I exercise at home on my treadmill every day, but um, I think the fellowship, Mm -hmm. you know, would of a class or something like that would, would help me a lot. So I would, I would encourage more women's ministries to consider that, you know, a lot of us need to get more healthy and more flexible. And so I think that's a great activity. It is. You know, I think up here, Michelle, in the middle of January, as we record this, I think just jumping up and down together to stay warm would probably fit the bill and burn some calories anyway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so we're looking at these charts here. And I know you can't see them, ladies, uh, if you're listening from home or in your car or whatever. We are going to post these in our show notes. Um, But talking about these events um, conducted to develop communities community and fellowship and that kind of thing, how did they attempt to reach their goal of discipling women? Uh, So the next question is, these leaders were asked, which of any of the following events has your women's ministry conducted in the last year to disciple women and encourage their walk with Christ? And then they they could select all that apply from several different options. So they were given, like I said, lots, lots of options to choose from. Not surprisingly, the top two answers were that they offered Bible studies for women. That's 88%, which is great. Um, And they offered times for women to pray together. That was 57%. Uh, There were some other options there that uh, they could answer. Um, Providing opportunities to serve others in the local community. That number, uh, that was number three at 48%. Attending conferences as a group, 40%, and hosted conferences in their own churches, 23%. Um, yeah, Michelle, you, you know, uh, ladies who uh, want to have something like that could definitely have some speakers, and you and I are definitely available here in 2024. So uh, consider hosting Michelle and I. We yeah, come and that's speak. right. Anyway, I, I digress. But uh, yeah, yeah, we could. You need to, we need to get that, we need to get that 23% yeah. up. Let's get that 23% number up, ladies. Let's make it, you know, like more like 90% or something, because we would love to come speak to the ladies at your church. And you can find the information on that at a wordfitlyspoken.life and just click on the speaking tab. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Shameless, Shameless plug. plug. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that that's one way that uh, we can help um, disciple women and um, bring them closer to the Word of God, because, uh, you know, if you have uh, speakers who are grounded in uh, the Bible, in the Word, in Christ, uh, that that's awesome. You, do, you don't want to have somebody who's just going to come and do a TED Talk or do something real soft. You want to actually equip women uh, to uh, understand who God is through His Word. Right. So. Yeah. And I think that offering Bible studies, you know, that number one answer and offering times for women to pray together, that is very key to discipleship. Again, this is not the fellowship question. This is the discipleship question. So those are those are really good um, methods. There were a few other things like um, shared a Bible reading plan, I believe uh, offered yeah. Bible study skills training. Those are really good things as well. Um, again, I have to be concerned. Uh, they're offering Bible studies for women. I have to be concerned what studies these women who are connected with LifeWay yeah. are offering to the women of their church. Um, so, you know, maybe some discernment training would have been a good answer to to offer the ladies yes. on this question. 
<laughs> well, that's something that you and I definitely um, have done in our different speaking. When when we come in and do uh, Bible teaching, it it always comes with a hefty dose of discernment training. That's so right. another shameless plug for that. So uh-huh. if that's what you're looking for, you, you know where to go. <laughs> that's right. All righty. The next question was interesting. It said, indicate which of the following you personally use to measure the effectiveness of your women's ministry efforts. In other words, how can you tell if your women's ministry is successfully discipling women and encouraging their walk with Christ or whatever the goal of your women's ministry is? What's the yardstick you use for measuring your success, your effectiveness? And again, they were given several choices. 30%, the number one answer, said that they measured the effectiveness of their women's ministry by, quote, seeing things happen that only the Holy Spirit can do. And 50% chose that as either their number one or their number two answer, 50%. They measured the effectiveness of their women's ministry by seeing things happen that only the Holy Spirit can do. What does that even mean? And what, you know, especially what does that mean to women's ministry leaders who, who are ordering Beth Moore Bible studies from Lifeway? You know, what did, what did you think about that, Amy? Right. Well, if if you're going to have a, a choice like that, then you have to define. I mean, right. I mean, if you're not going to define what that is, it, that's so loosely interpreted by anybody, it could mean anything. Right. And so, if you're going to have a, any kind of scientific study, you need to define what those terms are. And seeing things happen that only yeah. the Holy Spirit can do could mean anything. It could mean, you know, signs and wonders and miracles right. or something like that. So, um, I, I guess it's left up to the interpretation, and that's going to skew the numbers. Right. And so many churches have such a poor pneumatology, a doctrine of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that um, they could be attributing things to the Holy Spirit that are not things the Holy Spirit does, like sin or coincidence or, right. you know, God's providence or whatever. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a little concerning. The other answers uh, were that they measure the effectiveness of their women's ministry uh, by these things, by the changes in growth seen in one person's life, 22%, by seeing women deeply engage in activities that are focused on Christ, 17%, by seeing community develop among women where they can be who they really are, 12%, what? by the attendance at yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll get back to that in just a second. Don't worry. Sure. Uh, 10% said they, they gauge it by the attendance at events. That's at least an objective measure. Mm-hmm. Um, by seeing women use their spiritual gifts, 6%, and by the level of involvement of the volunteer leaders, 2%. So mm-hmm. what do you think about any of those, Amy? Seeing community develop among women where they can be who they really are. I I know who I really am, and you don't. Yeah, you don't want to see that. (laughs) You don't want to see that come out. No, Um, right. (laughs) And the other one that I I was wondering about is by seeing women use their spiritual gifts. That's an interesting one. What do Mm -hmm. you think of that one? Uh, again, I have to know if if everybody who's answering this question truly knows what spiritual gifts are. Um, some people think, you know, that being nice is a spiritual gift. Some people think that hosting a dinner is a spiritual gift. You know, uh, I I would hope that I would hope that these people who answered that 
we're really using the spiritual gifts that are listed in scripture. And so that I think yeah. if you could really measure measure your women's ministry by that, I think that would be a good measure and one of the good measures that you could use. Yeah. Um the the one that kind of jumped out at me besides the be who you really are thing, which is not <laughs> that is not what scripture calls us to be. Um I mean, they could have said, be your authentic self, you know, I mean, that's basically what that means there. But anyway, the other one that jumped out at me was by the changes and growth seen in one yes. person's life. Why are you measuring mm-hmm. your women's ministry by the changes and growth in one person's life? That's either worded a little weird or people are measuring their women's ministry weirdly. Why would you go, well, Jane has really developed, you know, a really good Bible study skills this year. So I guess our women's ministry is effective. Uh, you know, you can't, right. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. That's weird. There might not be a correlation between those two things. Although, of course, we really want to see people change and grow uh, toward Christ and become, you know, in, in exactly being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That that is definitely something that is great. But can you can you attribute right. that to uh, just your women's um, ministry? I, I, I don't right. know. So right. interesting. Yeah, I would have been more comfortable if they had worded it as something like by the changes and growth seen in participants' lives or something like that. So you could look at several different people who are heavily involved and say, I can I can draw a line of connection between their participation in women's ministry and their change and growth toward maturity in Christ. But the changes and growth seen in one person's life, I, I think that's just strange. <laughs> so, Yeah. The other one that jumped out was the attendance at events. Uh, 10% of the people said that's how they measure effectiveness. Yeah. But if you think about it, uh, you know, you think about the most mm-hmm. um, seeker-friendly, um, entertainment-driven church that, that you've seen, you know, with examples of, you know, all sorts of circus clowns and uh, smoke and mirrors and things that happen on a Sunday morning. Of right. course, those are going to be popular. That's not how you measure how effective they are, unless your goal and mission is to get people through the door, then yeah, you're really effective then. But that's not how you measure the the effectiveness of a ministry. Right. Yeah. The only only positive thing about that really is that that is an objective, Mm -hmm. uh, tangible measure. All these other things are so subjective and immeasurable that, you know, I was glad to at least see something on there that you can actually count or, or yeah. measure or weigh in some <laughs> some sort of way. But yeah, you're right. I, most In most women's ministries, and I've been in numerous churches, so I've seen this just across the board, the fun events are the events that get the highest attendance. And yeah. the uh, events where you have to work at it a little bit, like service projects or Bible studies, those get the low attendance. So exactly. <laughs> it, it just works that way. You know, we're all lazy. We're all fleshly. Not, I mean, not that going to a fun event is lazy and fleshly, but you know what I mean. We yeah. <laughs> we tend to gravitate towards the fun and not gravitate quite as much towards the stuff that involves a little more work. So. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, the last question to the women's ministry leaders that we're going to look at tonight is this. Why do you choose to lead the women's ministry in your church? All right. Listeners, think about it. Can you guess what the number one 
answer is. What the majority of LifeWay Connected Women's Ministry leaders said? I'll give you a few seconds to think about it and make your best guess. And here is the number one answer. 77% over three quarters of the respondents said, I choose to lead the women's ministry in my church because I feel led. (laughs) Okay, they feel led again. What does that even mean? Wow. And what does it mean to LifeWay Aligned Women's Ministry Leaders? Right. Does it mean right. extra biblical revelation or feelings? You know, I don't want to guess anyone's motives here, but there are indeed women who do this for the attention. There just are. And let me tell you, and I'm sure, Michelle, you would agree with this. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of intense study to lead a Bible study ministry or any women's ministry for that matter. And it's an enormous amount of humility, patience, and wisdom that goes into it that definitely doesn't come from the woman herself. For sure, in my case, it's 100% God. So yeah, you you don't go into women's ministry thinking that you're going to be uh, famous or anything like that, right? And you know, I don't I don't want to be too hard on all the respondents who who answered this way. I feel led. Uh, maybe they just meant that. I don't know. Um, they that's that's what they thought God wanted them to do. They prayed and asked God for wisdom, Maybe it is. which is the biblical yeah. way that we're supposed to go about making decisions about whether we should lead things or not. And um, the Lord just lined things up so that they could lead the women's ministry. Maybe that's all that they they meant by saying that they felt led. But again, you know, this is this is Lifeway and it's all about the feels a lot of times in in their women's Bible studies and their yeah. their um women's events and things like that. So I feel led, you know, very unquantifiable. What does it mean that you felt led? You could ask 100 women and 100 women would give you a different, 100 different definitions of what that phrase means. Uh, And I just am concerned that there's so much about the feels, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of emotion that that uh, yeah kind of guides some people. So we want to make sure that we're not being led by emotion, but um, being led by by wisdom that yeah. comes from above. In fact, you can find the biblical model for this in First Timothy three verse one that says, "If any man aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work." And then in Titus uh, chapter two verses three through five, we've talked about this before. Older women are to teach what is good and so train the younger women. Michelle, uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we're obviously not saying First uh, Timothy 3, 1, um, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. Well, we're obviously not saying that women are pastors or that women are uh, beholden right. to the pastoral qualifications because we're not pastors in order, in, you know, beholden to those qualifications. Uh, for a position of pastor. But um, 
that is the biblical model for pastors. They don't, you know, they don't get a burning in their bosom to be a pastor. They don't, they're not supposed to feel led. That's not what scripture says. It says, if you want to be an overseer, a pastor, a shepherd, that's a good thing. And if you meet these qualifications, then it's okay for you to pursue that. It's not this, this, uh, this touchy feely kind of thing. It's not this road to Damascus. God knocks you off your horse and says, you're going to be a pastor kind of thing. It's, you know, this is a good work and, and God has, uh, put it in some people to desire to do that good work of being a pastor. And he's put it in some women to desire to lead a women's ministry. And that is a good work as well. And then also we need to notice in Titus 2, 3 through 5, when it says uh, older women are to teach what is good, train the young women, uh, it doesn't say anything about feeling led to do it. It just says, do it, you know? (laughs) So that's a command to follow. That's not like some, again, touchy-feely supernatural experience where you feel the call of God on your life or whatever. Um, That's just a command to follow. So for some women, that command may be followed by leading a women's ministry. For other women, that command may be followed by just discipling uh, their adult daughter or something like that, or a a younger woman in their church or something like that. So um, it's it's very, uh, it's a little misleading to offer that that answer to to women about why are you leading women's ministry? Because it's leading that answer is yeah. leading them away from the biblical model instead of pushing them back to scripture and saying, you know, here's what the Bible says about leadership. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking about that. Yeah, definitely the the answers that the choices that the women were given to fill out uh, could have been different. So in addition to uh, the 77% choosing I feel led or I feel called, uh, the other uh, results are, uh, according to the options here, 55% said there was a need, um, 51% said it is my gifting, 46% said I love to teach, great, uh, 28% said I was asked, and 15% said no one else would do it. And so, um, so those are some of the reasons that the would. Michelle, this is all bringing to mind. Uh, I have to share this story. So years ago, and, and, and we did a whole program on, um, kind of how problematic, uh, the, the Bible study fellowship or BSF was, uh, just in the past mm-hmm. few years. Well, many more years ago, I, I was in one, um, just as a, a participant. I wasn't a leader or anything. And a leader came up to me. They were having trouble getting Getting, uh, you know, the next session uh, volunteer leaders to come, and uh, sh- and she was preparing to ask me to uh, to be a leader, and she said, you know, I was praying to God and I asked Him to show me a sign who could lead the children's ministry, and Amy, all of a sudden I saw clear as day, your face popped into mind, and I knew <laughs> that God wanted me to ask you to do that, and so I and I just I felt 
guilted into it. I, I, at that time, my discernment wasn't as sharp, you know, about those kinds of things. And, you know, the, the nudges and that kind of thing, the way the Holy Spirit doesn't do things. Um, and I just, I just felt so guilty for even thinking that I should say no, that I, I said yes, but very begrudgingly. And, and that's not, you know, how the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't pop people's faces into brains and that kind of thing. And, and, right. you know, sorry for her, but I, I, was I blessed in serving? Yes, I was. I loved working with the kids, but yeah. So anyway, it just yeah. uh, just reminded me of that story. <laughs> well, and you know, I was. It's it's funny that that uh, that you mentioned that. I'm. I was just thinking about these other responses, and many of them would be much more biblical than I feel called. There was a need. Okay, there's a need. Yeah. You jump in and you fill it. Um, it is my exactly. gifting even would be more biblical than I feel called. You know, we, most of us, as we mature, we know the gifts that God has given us and the ways that God has enabled us. And we want to put them to use serving the Lord. So that could be a good way, you know, leading a women's ministry could be a good way of, of exercising your gifts. I love to teach. What what better person to have in charge of your women's ministry than someone who loves to teach and is discerning and teaches well? Um, yeah, I was asked. That's a that's a great way to get involved in finding out what your gifts are. When somebody asks you to do something, if you're looking for a place to serve, it you know sure. the the thing that they have asked you to do it it might never have occurred to you or you might think oh, I don't really like that. But sometimes when we jump in and we try to do something, you know, maybe that's a little out of our element, sometimes we find that that really is one of our giftings or that we really enjoy it. Um, and we would never know that if yeah. someone had not asked us to do something and no one else would do it. You know, um, sometimes that's things have to true. be done. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes things yeah. have to be done. Um, if if it's if your answer is no one else would would do it, but you start doing it and you don't really like it and it's not a fit for you. It's not your gifting. You don't love to teach. Um, it's probably not mm -hmm. for you long-term, but maybe as you're, you know, sort of doing it temporarily, you can train someone else to take your place who really is gifted at it or something like that, you yeah. know? So, but I feel called. Yeah. I, I much prefer all the other answers instead of that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very graceful thing to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is going to wrap things up for part one of The Pew, The State of Women's Ministry. Before we go, we'd like to say a big thank you to Emily and to Carrie. They both recently became new patrons who support us every month at Patreon. So thank you very, very much, yes. ladies. We really thank appreciate you. your support. Uh, yes. yes. Much needed. Thank you. Yes, yes, definitely. And if you'd like to support us through Patreon like these sweet ladies or through PayPal, just go to our website, a wordfitlyspoken.life and click on the support button. We've also got lots of other resources for you, including our archives where you can listen to every single episode mm -hmm. of a word fitly spoken ever. So just hover over the recent episodes tab and then click on play from the beginning. And hey, why don't you let us know on social media, what is your all time favorite episode of A Word Fitly Spoken? Ooh, yes. And be sure to join us next time for part two of The Pew, The State of Women's Ministry. And until then, be a godly woman and walk worthy. Mm -hmm.